Uh, but we want to get into God's Word today because that's a priority. Amen? We get received great food, nurture, and life through the Word of God. So open up your devices or your Bibles at this time, and we'll do that together now. Praise God. The Scripture has a lot to say about how, as Christians, we should live. And in short, the Scripture tells us that our living should be abundant. Let's look and see what the Word of God says about that. Maybe one of the best-known Scriptures in the New Testament, it simply says this in John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Who is the thief? Satan. It's not talking about some robber who hit your house last week. This is talking about Satan, and his mission is to rob and steal and destroy. But in contrast to that, Jesus says, here's what the enemy comes to do, but here's what I have come to do, and this is the emphasis. What is it? I came that they may have and have it abundantly. We all know King James Version says that they may have life and life more abundantly. One translation says that they might have super abundant life. Just the idea of life is good enough. Better than be dead, right? Amen. But he doesn't say, I just want you to live. He said, I want you to live abundantly. We receive life, eternal life, when we have new birth, when we experience that born-again experience of coming to Jesus. That's the most important event ever in your life. But once you've been born again, that's not enough. Your fire insurance is paid up. You have eternal life. you got a place in heaven you're going to live forever. But what about the life here in the nasty now and now? How are you living now? I believe that God has called us not only to enjoy eternal life in heaven as Christians, but here on earth God's called us to live differently than people who don't know Christ. And so I'm simply talking today about living the abundant life. The scripture that I want to focus on, I know it's a little bit small on the screen, but I wanted to get it all on there. So look at your Bibles if you'd like to in Psalm chapter 103. And in these verses, verses 1 through 5, is where I'm going to focus today. Verses 1 through 5, well known. I'm reading out of the NIV, but many of you are familiar with it in other translations. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems my life from the pit and crowns me with love and compassion. He satisfies my desires with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. That is a powerful scripture. You probably are more familiar with it uh, from the version that says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, right? Bless the Lord. The word for bless is the same word for praise. It simply means an overflow of praise that is rooted with deep affection and gratitude. It's not just flippant praise. It's a bless the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul, is an expression of praise that goes very deep. Two main points I want to leave you with today. Number one, an abundant life is marked by praise. It's marked by someone who is habitually praising God. Now notice what we find here in this particular scripture. We find that he begins saying to himself, he's talking to himself. He says, bless the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. Or the NIV, my inmost being. What is he doing? The psalmist is speaking to himself. 
speaking to himself. If you haven't discovered the importance and priority of arousing yourself in praise on a regular basis, and how many of you know that sometimes you just don't feel like praising God? Sometimes you don't, when you wake up, you, you're in the dumps, you're depressed, you're distracted, whatever it may be, but we need to do exactly what David is telling us to do here, and that's what he gives us the example. He said, praise the Lord, oh my soul, soul, it's time to praise the Lord. What was he doing? He was speaking to arouse himself in praise that's what he was doing commanding his soul talking to himself arousing himself alexander mclaren the great scottish preacher once said a good man must coerce his more carnal and sluggish faculties to do their most noble use which is what to honor and to praise God. Sometimes we just have to coerce that fleshly man into submitting to doing what's right. And what's right is every day out of our life and out of our mouth, we need to be blessing and praising the Lord. Bless the Lord, he said. Oh, my soul, all my inmost being. Then he repeats himself in verse 2, and he says, Bless the Lord or praise the Lord, my soul. And don't forget his benefits. The second mark I want you to note is an abundant life is marked by remembering the right things. Randy, where are you? I can't believe it. I do believe it. You're hearing the Holy Spirit. To be able, I had no conference with Randy about what I was going to talk about today. And here he's talking about remembering. And I'm on the same path. The Holy Spirit is speaking today. An abundant life is marked by remembering the right things. Now, I don't know about you, but I've always found it intriguing that we have this, this paradox, this tension that tells us, the scripture tells us to forget stuff, and then it tells us to remember stuff. And I'm like, wait a minute. How, you know, the trick is to know what to forget and what to remember, because both are biblical. There are certain things you're supposed to remember, but there are certain things you have to forget. Paul said, forgetting what lies behind me. Isaiah prophesies and says, forget the former things. And yet we're told to remember certain things. Here the psalmist says, praise the Lord, O my soul, and don't forget his benefits. Now he's talking to himself. He's not preaching a sermon. The psalmist is speaking to himself saying, it's really, really important that you not forget certain things. Did you know that we as humans are all apt to forget? Some of us more than others. You heard about the guy who tied the string onto his finger so he wouldn't forget? Then he couldn't remember what he was supposed to remember? What, that, what it designated for him? That's real bad. Forgetting, forgetfulness is quite human. It's quite normal. So we have to stir ourselves to remember. And as Randy was saying, God gives us certain things structured, crutches for our memory to help us remember the right things. What we did this morning in sharing communion is one of those. You say, well, why are we to do communion regularly? Why should that happen? Is it just some, is it just some ceremony, some formalism? No, it is to what? Remember. It is to remember. And so we do certain things to make sure that we're remembering because we're apt to forget. If we fail to offer regular habitual praise to God, you're going to drift. And you're going to drift into a life of forgetfulness. And there can be other stuff that you forget. If you forget where your keys are, you'll find them at some point. You forget your cell phone. Uh, somebody will help you make sure you find it. But if you forget, 
who God is and what he's done for you. That is a sad, sad commentary about our life. We need to make sure we're remembering the right stuff. David then proceeds. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Then he goes again, praise the Lord and forget not his benefits. He marks for us a litany of benefits and, if you will, uh, goodies, a recital of goodies that God has for us. He doesn't list everything that are available to us who are in Christ, but he begins to clue us into some of the things that are on his heart, just kind of getting to the heart and the mind of David the psalmist here. He's praising God. He's talking to himself. So you really need to praise God. I know you're not feeling good today, but you really need to praise God today. And so, by the way, don't forget his benefits. And then he just begins to overflow what they are. And so I'm just going to give you the five that he lists for us. He begins to list these benefits for us specifically. This is a catalog of some blessings. And I'll list for you the five that he gives. Number one, we won't spend a lot of time on each, but at least you'll kind of get it in a, in a capsulized form. Number one, he forgives. Can you say that with me? He forgives. Now, what are we told? We're told specifically that he forgives all my sins. Would you please notice, first of all, the word all? He says he forgives all my sins. By the way, I don't think it's an accident that the psalmist begins with this particular benefit. Why? It is a foundational benefit. The number one issue in human life is what? Sin. Someone say amen. That's the human problem. Sin is the main block to our lives, much less the culture. And so the psalmist begins by saying what? Praise the Lord and don't forget the most important benefit, forgiveness of all my sins. Number one on David's list, he forgives all my sins. We could go on all morning talking about forgiveness. We know that forgiveness only comes through the cross of Jesus Christ. We know that Jesus, we sang this morning about trading, trading this in for that. Jesus took your sin problem so you could have his righteousness. He took your sins on the cross so that today you and I could share communion to remember we're forgiven through Jesus Christ. We are forgiven. And the benefit of that forgiveness is so important, so important that the psalmist goes on and on about that particular uh, benefit. We know the scripture remarks and clarifies that David was someone familiar with sin. He was one that was familiar with failure, wasn't he? He himself, just think about it. Here, he's the one that is saying, Lord, thank you so much for forgiving all my sins. How many days do you wake up and you think, I need to make sure that I'm thankful today, praise God today for forgiving my sins. All of us need to be thankful for that. Jesus confronting the paralytic in Mark chapter 2 speaks to the, he's there to heal the paralytic who was lowered down from the roof in front of him, right there. Lowered down in the middle of that house, interrupted him. But did Jesus focus first on his physical need? No, he focused first on the spiritual need. And he said, your sins have been forgiven you. And then we know that he healed him. But he focused first on the sin problem. You know, sometimes even as Christians, even spirit-filled, Bible-believing Christians, we focus on a whole lot of peripheral things and we forget to focus on that primary issue of forgiveness from our sins. Amen? Jesus forgave 
the paralytic, and then he healed him. He goes on in his litany of blessings here in his recital of things to praise for. He says, number one, he forgives all my sins. Number two, he says, he heals. Right on the heels of forgiveness, he said, he heals. And he says this, I love this inclusiveness. He said, he heals all my diseases. He heals all my diseases. Did you know that in the Bible, in Exodus chapter 15 and verse 26, you remember the story when the waters, the children of Israel got into the waters of Marah and they found the waters what? Bitter. Couldn't drink them. And then we know that God instructed Moses and he took some wood, a tree, and threw it into those bitter waters. And those bitter waters turned sweet because of what? Because of the application of the tree to the bitter waters turned bitter into sweet. It healed those waters. It is a beautiful type and picture of what Jesus did on Calvary's tree. Because when Jesus died for us on Calvary, he took the double curse of both sin and sickness and provides for us a double blessing, and part of the blessing is healing. That's physical, emotional, mental healing. I'm so thankful that I serve a God that not only forgives me, and all my evangelical friends will hardly agree with the forgiveness, but many of them will drop off the bus at this point. And yet God is a healer, not only a forgiver. We are left in the Old Covenant. If you read the very last word in your Bibles in the Old Testament, it's the word what? Come on, some of y'all have taught y'all better than that. Come on. It's the word what? Curse. The last word, printed word. You'll read later. Because some of you are like, you give me that dog look. I don't know about that. Yeah, go check it out. The Old Covenant ends with a curse. Jesus came to turn a curse into a blessing. He came to take the Abrahamic curses from from Deuteronomy 28 and to turn those around and to redeem us from the curse. So now, according to Galatians 3, we are now redeemed from the curse of the law and we are recipients of Abraham's blessing. God is a healer. In Exodus chapter 15, in the story, when the tree touched those waters, it turned them sweet. And then God declares to the children of Israel, he said, I am the Lord God, your healer. That was when he announced, I am Jehovah Rapha. That was the story, Exodus 15. He turns bitter water sweet. I never have claimed, never will, that I have all the answers about healing. But I know this, the more I'm willing to pray and believe God to heal people, the more people get healed. I do know that. I don't have an answer for everybody that doesn't get healed. But I know this. I refuse to back off of the promise of God as my healer. And I want to praise him every day, not only that he forgives, but also that he heals my diseases. Acts 10, 38 declares that Jesus came not only to do good things, but he came also to heal all who were oppressed by the devil. Praise God for that. We know that healing is available for us. Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5, fulfilled in Matthew 8, verse 17, 1 Peter 2, verse 24, shows us that sickness has been addressed by Jesus' work at Calvary. And Scripture tells us in Hebrews 13 that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Listen, if he was a healer in the days of Psalm 103, he's a healer today. He's a forgiver. 
He's also a healer. I could tell you stories, but I have limited time today. Oh, I could tell you so many stories of, of healing, of people whose lives have been radically turned around, legs that have been repaired, and, and, and lives that have been totally transformed through the miracles that God gives powerfully, supernaturally, uh, not just minor things, but even major things. And I'm tired of hearing people say, why do miracles, real miracles only happen overseas? They don't. Give it up. They don't just happen. Oh, they do happen. We're going to have a lot of miracle testimonies. When we get back, we're going to see miracles. Y'all don't, I didn't hear any confidence from y'all at all. <laughs> Jezro was the only one that acted confident when I said, we're going to see miracles on this trip. But, but I, I'm tired of hearing people say, well, why do miracles only happen in other countries? They happen right here in your country. They happen more regularly than you realize. Stop buying into the doubt and the unbelief and say, I'm going to start praising God every day, saying, bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not the benefit that he heals my diseases. I'm not telling you not to go to your doctor. I'm just telling you when you go to your doctor, when you go for a diagnosis, just go and say, he, Jesus is my healer. Jesus is my healer. Say it all the way. And when you take your medications, take them in the name of Jesus. Number three, number three, he rescues. Oh, what an incredible provision that, that David gives praise for. He said, he, I'm not forgetting his benefits. He forgives. He also heals. But then he says, and he rescues me from the pit. And have you ever been in the pits? The word here, just so you know, I'm not twisting scripture. The word pit literally means a trap that was used for destructive purposes. It's the same word used in the Hebrew language for when Joseph was thrown into the pit. He was thrown into a hole in the ground and they, his brothers didn't mean good by it. It was a pit. How many of you have lived in those kinds of pits before in life? You know what I'm talking about. Here the psalmist says, I'm so glad that God is one who rescues. He comes to rescue me from the pit. He goes on in Psalm 46 and declares that God is a present help in time of trouble. He's not, a, he's not an absentee God. He's present to help us in our trouble. The trouble isn't with God's availability to rescue us. The trouble is with our inability to believe and trust him for breakthrough and for deliverance and for rescue when we get in a fix. He's a rescuer. Oh, there's so many scriptures I could tell you and stories that I could tell you. And Psalm 9, 9 says that he is a stronghold in time of trouble. Psalm 41, 1 says the Lord delivers us in times of trouble. I've had plenty of trouble in my life. In 43 years of full-time ministry, I guarantee you, and in life, I've seen many things, many challenging moments, uh, times that I thought, is, is, does God notice? I remember when I was in the Democratic Republic of the Congo and had a gun pointed in my head for an hour, and the threat of the, uh, of the radical soldier was, I'm killing you, because your friend took a camera and was taking a photograph. So I'm going to kill you. For a whole hour, we stood there with a gun pointed to our head and a big knife, a machete, ready to slice up my friend. And the prayers of God's people and our own willingness just to, just to pray in the moment. Say, God, we belong to you. I thought it was all over. 
And God, all of a sudden, it was just like the flash of lightning. All of a sudden, that angry, demonic look on that man's face turned from that to a smile and a grin. And he said, you can go on. You can go on. I guarantee you, I said to the driver, go now. <laughs> Put the pedal to the metal and go. And we escape. No harm. Why? Because he rescues us from trouble. Listen, we've had, we have two sons raised in a Christian home, raised to follow God, got messed up, moved to Virginia Beach. Not that there's a correlation. Moved to Virginia Beach. Got messed up in the party life and drinking and drugs and Oldest son dropped out of school, couldn't even go to school, couldn't even think straight, drugged and out of his mind for months at a time. For three and a half years, we had to stand, declaring that God was going to be our present help and rescue us out of trouble. Listen, my God is able to rescue you. I don't care what your problem is today. I don't care how little. I don't care how great. You need to be one that doesn't forget to praise God for this benefit. Oh, I wish I could have time to tell you more stories. But I'm telling you right now that he rescues, he redeems, he ransoms us from trouble. Let's look at four and five. Number four, he crowns. He crowns me. Now, it's an interesting word. There's a lot of differing uh, interpretations about what this particular phrase means. Because what it says is, he crowns me. With grace and mercy, and the NIV says, with compassion and love. He crowns you with love and compassion. What is the idea of the crown? Well, it can mean a couple of things, but basically the word here is a word that simply means a circular crown. So it can mean that he literally encircles us 360 degrees with love and mercy and compassion and grace. Or if you prefer the whole image of an actual crown, it's the idea that he places a crown. He literally anoints you. He crowns you. He places onto you mercy and grace and love and compassion. I'm so thankful that every day that we live, that we can celebrate the fact that he crowns us with love, mercy, grace, compassion. Aren't you glad that you don't serve a God that just knocks his kids down every time you do something wrong? Aren't you glad that he's a God that crowns us with love and compassion? Thank God for that. And I think in the same measure that God does that for us, we ought to share that with other people. We need to share that love and that compassion with other people and that we need to demonstrate that love to other people. Yes, he has crowned us. He has adorned us. He has benefited us with that love and mercy. I love the scripture in Hebrews 4, 16 that challenges us to come boldly, confidently before the throne of grace to receive help and mercy. Help and mercy. How many of you need mercy today? little mercy, would you take that from God? Listen, that is the God that Psalm 103 is talking about. It's a God of mercy. He is more than ready to pour out his mercy upon you today. Final benefit that we see in Psalm 103 and verse 5 is that he satisfies. I wish, the, I wish people who don't know Jesus, people who live in darkness, unbelievers, could wake up to this reality. God is not a God who's against us. He's not a, he's not a, a, a bemoaning. He's not a God who's trying to, to, to ruin your fun. That's right, that's right. The scripture says that he satisfies me. Just think about that word. He satisfies. People are looking for satisfaction today. 
all kinds of places, all kinds of, all kinds of uh, sources, most of the time the wrong kind. But they're looking with something. But the scripture here tells us, he satisfies me with good things. With what? Good things. Not bad things, not evil things, not troubling things. He satisfies me with good things. Psalm 103, and that last verse, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Oh, wow. It's it's talking about a God that's interested in you having a level of satisfaction, not a spoiled satisfaction, a contented satisfaction where God blesses us in a way that we are satisfied with good things. The New Testament says to us, Jesus, in his own words to his disciples and to you by extension, fear not, little flock. Don't fear. Don't buy into all those lies. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. We're told in 2 Peter verse, chapter 1, verse 3, that God has provided us all things, everything you need that pertains to life and godliness i don't know that is a package deal right there how do you get better than that that god provides us everything that relates to godly living and to just life in general anything that we need he said i'll satisfy you with good things that's the kind of god that we serve he takes great delight in coming to satisfy us i like the fact that it ends with this this twist there about the renewing our strength like the, uh, our youth, like an eagle. Uh, the older you get, the more you value and appreciate this part of the verse, all right? But it's, it's basically saying to us that, he, that the result of, of a life that's marked by praise and abundance is that it will result in renewed vitality. It's like you get so satisfied, God does so many things to you, and, and, and you're receiving it, and it's like all of a sudden it, it changes the way that you live and the weakness that you felt is now strengthened and now you feel this renewal he refuels your tank and where you were empty all of a sudden you say man i'm feeling something god's doing something in me i thought i was out of out of gas but now god is satisfying me and he's renewing my vitality and my strength just like the eagle last week while we were out of pocket uh, on our vacation at, a, at a, a lake not too far from here with all of our kids and grandkids, which is, that's supernatural to get. Anyway, uh, that was a miracle. But one of the enjoyable aspects of the trip, beyond just great time with them, is there's a family of bald eagles that live right there on the lake by where we were. And so almost each day that we were there, I'd go out and watch this soaring bald eagle just soaring through the skies over that lake. And I just couldn't help. I kept thinking about this scripture, probably the reason I preached on it this morning. As I kept thinking about that we're, our strength is renewed, like the, our vitality, our youthfulness gets renewed. For those of you who are young, millennials, you've got plenty of it right now. But there'll come a point in life where you need to lay hold of this vitality that we're seeing here in Psalm 103. And he will renew you. Yes, eating right, good exercise, right living, all of that's important. But let me tell you, there'll come a point where you need God to renew your strength. And we're promised here, he is a God that satisfies. What a list of benefits.
Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. As we close, I want you to remember, half-hearted response is not what God's looking for. The psalmist was saying, everything within me, as long as I have any energy, I'm going to bless God. As long as I have words to speak, I'm going to bless God with all that is within. Let me ask you today, what's in you? What's in you that you can turn into more honor and praise, living the abundant life? I want you to pray with me this morning as the instruments come to wrap up our time together this morning i want to pray for you because i recognize that there are those of us here this morning that these benefits relate to there's some of you that are out of touch with god you need forgiveness there's some of you that need healing this morning some of you that need uh being rescued from some pit of problem that you're in whatever it may be that you were reminded of this morning I want to pray for you, a prayer, just a general prayer of faith that you'll receive that today. So important that you make a point of making decisions. Step out in faith. Just don't passively hear something that sparks something and then walk away from it. Take advantage of the moment. Seize the moment to exercise faith in God. I'm going to ask that our, our prayer teams that are designated to come and be here at the front uh, for prayer for you, ministry for you will come now. And they're going to be positioned right over here to my left, right over here to my right, available for praying for those needs that need to be prayed for beyond just a corporate prayer of faith. But this morning, I'm just going to, I'm going to be bold and ask that you'd be responsive today. In just a second, we're all going to stand. But if you're here this morning, you say, there's something specifically that was mentioned today. God sparked in me. I know I need to lay hold of that benefit for my life would you just if, if there's something that you know I'm not asking what it is you you're saying I know there's something that today I want to receive your prayer for over my life would you just stand up right now you know to tell us what it is just stand up you say I'm standing to lay hold of this or this or this in addition to that there may be people that need today to make a decision to follow Jesus Christ commit yourself to be born again some of you've been church but you've never been saved you've never been born again going to a church doesn't just save you no more than than putting just a bicycle in your garage turn it into a car you gotta be born again you gotta be changed from the inside some of you need to come to jesus today and if so i'm going to ask that you would stand and then following this general prayer make sure that you come up to one of these prayer teams and tell them that decision you've made today i see people standing all over today. anybody else want to join them say i need healing from a, a sickness a disease there's something going on in my life i need rescuing from there's something i need forgiveness from i just kind of let it hang on anybody else anybody else before we pray this prayer of faith just a prayer of faith over you all all right saints believe with me would you please just activate your prayer of faith as i pray father god we're thankful we're so thankful for the word we're thankful for faith that comes by hearing the word we're thankful today for david's example in psalm 103 that we can follow lord today we say praise the lord oh my soul we praise the lord today 
and thank you for all the multiplicity of benefits of living an abundant life. In the name of Jesus, I break the hold of the enemy who has come to steal, rob, and kill in people's lives. I break the authority of Satan in Jesus' name. And Father, I ask that faith would rise up on the inside of each of these who have needs. And right now, we release the work of the Spirit to bring forgiveness, healing, rescue them from their situations. Father, we ask for extraordinary miracles to take place. Father, there are those that are waiting on you for this or that. There are those that need financial miracles. There are those that need guidance. There are those that, that need something for their family. Father, we pray for them and we lay hold of each of these benefits. Lord, there, there's a couple people here today who just have been dissatisfied with their Christianity for a long time. Father, today, I pray that you reveal to them that they can be satisfied with good things and following you. So, Father, we trust you with these we thank you the Holy Spirit is even now doing a work, bringing healing, bringing release, bringing a new level of vitality. And Lord, we praise you for that. We give you all the glory in the mighty name of Jesus. Now would everyone stand and join them, please. Hallelujah. 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 We've had a good time of worship today. Can you just lift your hands and be thankful? Just lift your hands. Just be thankful for a moment. Oh, God, you're the only wise God, the only wise king. Thank you for loving us. We praise you this day. Thank you, Lord. Lord, send us forth this week to make a difference in our community. Lord, we pray that you really fill us afresh with the Holy Spirit every day. Lord, place the good news on the lips of your people. Father, we ask for divine connections and meetings and intersections and bless our businesses and bless our weeks, Lord, that we'll live for you. We'll be able to testify to it. Lord, we honor and praise you. For all that you've done this day, let our lives be a reflection of an abundant life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give a couple of people a hug before you leave.